Well, good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. We're going to be in verses 1 through 23 this morning, which can be found on page 818 in your pew Bibles. We continue this morning our study, which we began a few weeks back, of the kingdom of God in the Gospel of Matthew. And the question that we come to this morning in our text is, how does the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven come about in our lives? What is the manner of its arriving in this world? You see, the original audience of Jesus' preaching, the Jews of the first century, had a conception of how the kingdom of God would come about, how it would arrive. You see, they believed that a king, the Messiah, would arise from the line of David and that he would lead the people of God to a victorious conquest of all the world. They believed that there would be a radical break between the present age that is dominated by sin and death and it would usher in an age of righteousness and life. This break would signal the end of the ages and the beginning of what the Old Testament calls the last or the latter days. This is how they understood the word of the Lord spoken through the prophet Isaiah. For the prophet Isaiah said, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his path. You see, for many years they had toiled under the oppression of the nations, but they believed that the kingdom of God would be ushered in and no longer would they be oppressed by the nations, but they would rule over the nations. And all peoples would come into the house of God and worship the Lord. When the anointed king arrived, he would gather a triumphant harvest of victory. And who could blame them for hoping and thinking in this manner? They had toiled under the burden of oppression for centuries. They had longed for the promise of salvation and prayed that God would send them the Deliverer. And they assumed that when this Deliverer came, He would be conquering with power. And we too can approach the kingdom of God in this manner. We want, we desire, we hope... That God would move in miraculous and powerful ways to deliver us from our current current burdens and hardships. We pray that healing will come now. We pray that He will end our struggle against sin now. We long for the message of Jesus to come with such power that all of our worldly and earthly troubles will disappear at once. And when He doesn't come is the all-conquering Deliverer giving to us what we desire now, we wonder why. If I have been set free from my sin, as the Word of God says, why do I continue to struggle with sin? 
If I have been healed by the wounds of Christ, if Christ is the great physician, as the word of God says, why does disease still sap away my health and my life? If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, why do I continue to struggle with anxiety and fear? Why must I still deal with relational conflict? If Christ has conquered death, then why does death continue to steal our loved ones away? In short, if the kingdom of God has come, why does the kingdom of Satan still exert so much power in this world? If the kingdom of heaven is here, why do we continue to pray, Thy kingdom come? What we'll see in our text for this morning is that the kingdom of God must first arrive like a seed being sown before it is a crop to be harvested. It must come in weakness before it comes in power. And therefore, all who would know the salvation and life of God's kingdom must first receive it in faith. So hear now the word of of the Lord, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil. And produce grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom 
and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and in another thirty. This is God's holy word for us as people. Let us go to him in prayer. Oh, Father God, we come to you now in this time. Lord, and in our hearts and even ringing in our ears are the words of your Son, Jesus. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Oh, God, would you give to us the grace to see and to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in the words of the gospel of Matthew. Open our eyes, unstop our ears, and give to us faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his holy name, for his honor and glory. Amen. Often, when we come to this parable, our attention is first drawn to the various soils that the seed falls upon, and the corresponding meaning that is given to each type of soil as a response to the gospel. And of course, this is an important aspect of the parable that is being taught. However, the first And central point of Christ's teaching is often overlooked. And the central part of it, the part where he quotes Isaiah, remains a mystery. And it is often overlooked. But the simple and central assertion of this parable is that the kingdom of God comes like a sower going out to sow seed. This is a profound and enlightening reality of the nature of the kingdom's coming that we must pay attention to. For sowing of seeds speaks not of power and victory, but rather of weakness and hope. Anyone who has planted a garden in the spring knows that you have to take great care that your seeds receive the proper nourishment. They need the proper soil, the proper amount of of sun, the proper amount of water. You must guard your young plants as they begin to germinate and sprout. You need to make sure that animals such as deer, especially in this area, don't come and eat up your young and vulnerable plants. I mean, how many of you have planted shrubs just to have them eaten and taken away? To sow seeds is a practice of faith and hope. It's an activity that speaks of vulnerability 
and uncertainty of the future. The Israelites spoke of this vulnerability associated with sowing in contrast to the certainty and joy of the harvest with the words of Psalm 126. See how these two concepts of sowing and harvesting are contrasted with another with one another. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Why do those who sow shed tears? Why do those who bear the seeds for sowing go out weeping? Because to sow seeds is to be vulnerable and weak. It takes great faith to believe that these small little seeds, if given the proper conditions, will return to you a great harvest. And this is the manner in which the kingdom of God arrives. It comes like the sowing of seeds. Jesus did not come in might and power. Rather, the gospel teaches us that He came as a little child. That He grew up under the colonial power of Rome. That He had no army that He commanded. He had no sword to impose His will. Rather, He came as a poor peasant who had nowhere to lay His own head. And after three years of ministry, He submitted Himself to death. That He went to the cross broken and beaten, mocked and ridiculed, vulnerable and weak. What the gospel teaches us is that Jesus came as a seed that was to be sown with tears and weeping, with shame and with suffering. Even as he said to his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You see, this is how the kingdom of God comes into this world. This is how it breaks into our own lives. It is as the sowing of seeds. It is as the giving up of a life. There is power and there is healing and there is deliverance in the coming of the kingdom. Yes, there is salvation. Yes, there is freedom of sin. Yes, there is new life and everlasting life. But all of these promises and all of these blessings come first in seed form. These all must be apprehended by faith because the kingdom comes as a sower sowing seeds and not as a harvester bringing in the crop. Are you here today desiring the harvest of the kingdom? Are you desiring the day when the Lord makes all things new? The day when pain and disease and death are ultimately destroyed? Then the words of Christ are calling out to you, take hold of the seed. That is, take hold of the word of the kingdom, which is a promise that because Christ has come, because Christ has died, Because Christ was raised, the harvest is sure to come. The promise that is in seed form now will surely bring about a great harvest. For the kingdom is present in Christ. And those who look to Him in faith have been saved. 
They have been delivered and healed and given life everlasting. However, all of these gifts are still in seed form. And as such are promises of the full harvest that is yet to come. This is how the kingdom comes into this world and into our lives as the sowing of seeds. Now we see in the text that the disciples of Jesus are still somewhat confused about the nature of the coming of the kingdom, in particular, the way that Christ has chosen to teach about the kingdom. They're curious as to why He has chosen to use parables to spread this message. Why does He not just come out and clearly proclaim that He is the Messiah? Take up His throne and begin to rule. Why is it that when Christ heals someone, He says to them, I charge you not to go and tell people that I did this. Why is it a secret? Look at the question they ask in verse 10. It says, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And what Jesus says might catch us off guard. It might not comport with what we might think Jesus would say. For we might think Jesus would say, Well, you know, parables, they're homey ways of communicating simple but profound wisdom to the masses. We might think that he would say, you know, parables are the best way of reaching as many people as possible. But this is not what he says. Rather, he says that he speaks in parables to keep the message of the kingdom a secret. That is, to conceal the message of the kingdom from those who do not believe, but to reveal in greater message the truth of the kingdom to those who do believe. Look at his answer in verse 11 and following. He says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Why does Jesus use parables? To make a distinction. To bring about a separation between those who have received the kingdom in faith and those who have not. What is the secret of the kingdom which Jesus speaks. Well, it is the present reality of God's kingdom in the person of Jesus Christ. The secret of the kingdom is that the kingdom has come as a seed. The secret of the kingdom is the cross. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the means by which men and women are reconciled to God. It is that Christ comes first for the cross and later for the crown. It is not a secret because Jesus doesn't want people to know the gospel. It's not a secret that we are called to keep hidden. Rather, it is a secret because it remains hidden to those who do not have faith. It remains a mystery to those who are unwilling to believe it. In college, I had a new 
Testament professor. And he took our class outside and he had this little trick that he wanted to do to debunk our belief in God. What a great New Testament professor, right? His goal was to make sure that no one left believing in God. And he said, look up at the sky. If God desires for us to believe in him, why doesn't he just write it across the sky in big, bold letters? If he wants the whole world to believe in Jesus Christ... Why doesn't he just come and write in the sky, I am God, the Bible is my word, and Jesus Christ is the Savior? Why? Because the message of the kingdom is intended to spread first as a secret. And its truth is only given to those who receive it in faith who are willing to take hold of salvation in seed form, who are willing to lay down their lives and take up their cross daily because they believe that the way of Christ is the way of life. And parables are the best mode of teaching to those who have faith. For they teach God's people so that we gain more and more wisdom and insight into the way of the kingdom. For we who have will be given even greater abundance through the preaching of the word. That is, we who have faith in the gospel will know more and more of the kingdom and of its Christ. But those who reject the seed nature of the kingdom, even the knowledge that they have will be taken away from them as they are hardened in their unbelief. For the message of the kingdom spreads as a secret but an open secret, a message of good news that salvation has come in Jesus Christ, that all who turn from their sin and believe in the cleansing power of His blood will receive complete and full pardon of sin. The message of the gospel is that healing and life and peace have been won now, and it's open for all to hear. But it's a secret Because only those who have been granted faith to receive it will respond. For you must believe that you have been forgiven in Christ. You must believe that death will have no sting. You must believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. You must believe that God raised Him from the dead. You must believe that the kingdom of God is present. You must believe that the day of harvest will surely come. Not because there is a sign in the heavens that make it known to everybody. Not some miraculous sign that will convince every person. But rather we apprehend the kingdom of God by faith. Why parables? Why secrets? Why not a message in the sky? Because the kingdom comes as a sowing of seeds. And it takes faith, not sight, to take hold of what a seed will be one day. And yet, no one sows seeds without a future hope of the fruit to come. For the kingdom of God first comes as seed being sown, but one day it will come as a bountiful harvest to be reaped. And on that day, all who have taken hold of it by faith will receive it in fullness. 
When Jesus gives the interpretation of the parable, he explains that the seed is the word of the kingdom. The seed is the promise of salvation in Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of life everlasting. And this gospel message, we are taught, will be opposed by Satan, who will seek to snatch it away. The God of this world, as Paul says, darkens the mind so that those who hear, the God, who hear this message but do not understand it are darkened in their understanding. Jesus teaches that this message will wither away. Because of the cares of the world. People will receive it, but they won't have root in their own lives. And the cares of the world will come in and cause it to wither away. The harvest will be too long in coming. And not only that, it will be crowded out by the desires of the flesh. We want the kingdom now. We want the promise now. And our flesh is not willing to be patient to wait. You see, not everyone will receive the word that is given. The seed will be spread abroad. The message of the gospel will go out to all the world. But it is not a message that will be understood and believed by all people. Rather, people will reject it. They will try to make it their own and form it after their own image. They will outwardly conform to the message, but will never inwardly believe the message. And if the kingdom came as a harvest, then all the world would see and all would bow. But this is not the way of the kingdom. For the kingdom comes as a sowing of seeds. It comes as an offer of hope. You see, you might think that you want the kingdom to come as a harvest first. But if the kingdom came first as a harvest, it would come with judgment. Judgment upon all who have rejected the Lord through sin. If the harvest came first, it would mean that all nations would have been lost. For Jesus proclaims in John 12, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The kingdom comes first as a sowing of seeds. So that when the appointed day arrives, there will be a great harvest, a full harvest, comprised of men and women from every nation on earth. It is as the sowing of seeds now, so that in the future, when Christ comes for the day of harvest, He'll have a whole world to bring fruit forth from. Even as the text says in verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil... This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. You see, the kingdom of God is present now. It's present in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's present whenever and wherever a man, a woman, or a child takes hold of the promise of salvation and faith. Believing the Word of God. But a day is coming when faith will turn to sight. There is a day when the down payment will become the full possession. There is a day when the promise of new life will become the reality. There is a day when Christ will return and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Both friend and foe of Christ will submit on that day. And those who are blind and deaf to His kingdom promises will be greatly ashamed. 
for they will have no place in the kingdom and they will be consigned to utter darkness because they rejected the seed. They will not receive the fruit of the harvest. But those who believe the promise, those who took hold of the word will be saved and thousands upon thousands will gather before the throne of our King Jesus And they will proclaim, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have now been revealed. The seeds of the kingdom are being sown even now. But one day the harvest will come and all who have hoped in Christ will be received into His kingdom despite the work of the enemy, despite the work of the world and of the flesh. The seed of the kingdom will bring forth a great harvest of salvation and everlasting life. And God will be glorified. So do not be dismayed, Christian. Do not lose hope. For the promise of the kingdom seems to be delayed in its coming. There are hardships. There are struggles. But this is the way of the kingdom. For it comes first as a sowing of seeds to be received in faith. But one day it will come as a great harvest. And on that day our joy will be complete. Even as the great ham of Henry Light encourages those who look to that day, haste thee on from grace to glory, armed by faith and winged by prayer. Heaven's eternal days before you, God's own hand shall guide thee there. Soon shall close thy earthly mission, swift shall pass thy pilgrim days. Hope soon change to glad fruition, faith to sight and prayer to praise. Christian, the kingdom comes first as a sowing of seeds. So take hold of the promise in faith, knowing that one day the great harvest will surely come. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we pray that you would give to us the eyes of faith, that we might apprehend the promises of the kingdom, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we might have this seal of our inheritance of the world that is to come. We pray, O God, that the secret of the kingdom would be an open secret in this place, And that you would grant to all who hear these words this day the grace of faith that they might take hold of the seed that has been given to us in Christ Jesus, even life everlasting. We pray this in his holy name for his honor and glory. Amen.